Hi everyone, I'm Rosanna and this is AFL Obsessed. I am so excited to welcome a friend of the podcast. The first interview I ever did in season one, episodes four and five, Pomp and Circumstance, if you want to rewind. But our special guest is one of the hosts of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. He's an audio extraordinaire. He does all of the sound engineering and editing for all of their pods, including the Patreon ones, quite the catalog. And he's a creator along with his cohort of an incredible Patreon community within Slack, a footy community that really helped me get through 2020. I'm so excited to introduce the podcaster and host with the golden voice and super coach for everyone. (laughs) Welcome back, Chizo. Thanks, Rosanna. Thanks for having me on. I've got to say, if we backtrack, I can't remember if I was pomp or circumstance, but I remember Doc and I just (laughs) taking over and be like, hold on, wait, Rosanna's on the call as well. Hey, did you need to ask us any questions? And we just kind of went on a tangent for way longer than we needed to. (laughs) I think we'll just keep you guessing on which one you were. And on my <laughs> mind, I think I know. But how are you? I mean, what is life like for you right now? Uh, there's a void. There's quite a large hole that I'm trying to fill with cupcakes and TV shows now that Supercoach is finished. And uh, I just feel like I'm missing something in my life. So we're, I, I'm going to try and find another fantasy format for the summer. Sounds good. <laughs> I, I, let me know if that does it for you. I mean, cupcakes sound good. I'm so excited to just have you back for another chat about footy and life mm-hmm. and to get your perspective on everything because it's pretty unique. So we're fresh off the prelims. Do you have any thoughts on the blowout? Um, the blowouts is interesting. Everyone, you know, you see on Twitter like, oh, this is the most boring season when we've got prelims like that. But I just re- think, remember thinking the entire season that the Dogs and Melbourne, like, yes, the Dogs and Melbourne have went through a little up and down during the year, but they were clearly the two best sides in my mind um, throughout the course of the year. So it's like I'm not surprised by this whatsoever. I don't see another blowout happening in the granny, but these were the two that I expected to make it through since I would say like around 15 or 16, they were the two that I would have pegged. So blowouts just probably represents how well they're structured up and playing this year and the personnel that they have. You know, I have to agree with you. I think about those two teams when I was thinking about it right at the beginning too and throughout this season. I thought the same thing, that they were always going to be strong. They were always going to end up on top. I thought that second game might have been really interesting because I thought that Port could really kind of give them a run for their money. But I agree with you. I think it's certain to be like a really exciting matchup in a couple. And I never really liked the phrase mouthwatering mashup personally, but I definitely think it applies <laughs> this time around. For- it's Pavlovian. <laughs> We've, we've all learnt when we've got two really good midfields going against each other, we just get that little bit of a saliva build up, that excitement, in, and uh, I, I think that's where it stems from. Okay, well, it's good to know, kind <laughs> of. Like, please explain that and all other things to me. Well, I would love to talk to you more about footy in general before we mm. kind of get to other fun topics, but just to rewind, I'm always curious, can you remember your earliest footy memory? I actually can, and it's not a good one. Uh, it's from oh, no. 1999. I remember the final where Carlton beat Essendon by, I think it was a point to get into the 99 grand final. And I just have this really strong memory of the final siren. Um, and I forget who, which Carlton player had the ball as the siren went, but his jubilation to realize that they were going through into the grand final was like my first football 
memory. I can't remember where I was watching it. I just remember the overwhelming sadness that I had to ask my parents, like, why didn't our team win? Uh, it's because Essendon continually lets you down, Shizo, and that's why. Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not laughing. If I'm laughing with you. I mean, if only you would have known just indicatively that you were in for a whole world of pain <laughs> to follow. <laughs> I mean, um, thanks for sharing that. I'm sorry it was so painful. I feel like everyone, well, everyone else has a footy story and I'm here for all of them. But um, <laughs> that wasn't what I was expecting you to say. I hope you've got some happier ones sprinkled in there too. Oh, well, the following year we won the grand <laughs> final and then the year after that we lost the grand final. So, you know, one out of three in the first uh, memories that I had, because they're literally the three memories that I have ingrained, uh, one premiership in there is not too bad. At least I can remember it, as opposed to some clubs that haven't won one for 60 years and, you know, generations have been and gone before they've even made it to the finals. True. And so Andrew always harps on me like, oh, you have no idea like what we've gone through because I'm celebrating maybe this season, among other things. And I'm like, but you also have to remember that I have never supported the team when it was successful. So I don't know the success. Like <laughs> other people have actually had that. But <laughs> but I mean, I haven't experienced that. So that's pretty Hold funny. On, let me open Google. What is success? Uh, no, don't, <laughs> I don't no, think you're no going to find Essendon. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to find that. Well, to fast forward, I guess a little, I mean, how was your year last year with the pandemic in 2020? What was that like for you? Um. Look, I've got to say that I'm one of the lucky ones that have been virtually unaffected. Where I am in far north Queensland, I think we've had a total of, I want to say, less than 10 cases in the entirety of the last 24 months. Um, The only thing that was mildly impacted was the fact that I was on my kind of like on a big holiday through New South Wales and Victoria and we had a bunch of things cancelled. We had a Slack meetup uh, in Melbourne that was cancelled. So we just kind of um, chilled on the peninsula and then just, you know, rushed to make our way home on the, the next flight that was available sort of thing. But in terms of being impacted, it's pretty much normal day-to-day life here because of the, you know, the medical profession that I'm in. I'm a required worker as well. So um, apart from like the first two weeks where we quarantine when we... at you know, March or April 2020 got back to Queensland, I've, it's really been no impact whatsoever. So it's one of those things where I, I sympathize with everyone that's impacted incredibly uh, greatly. I, ha- I have that, sim- I sympathize for them, but it's just, you don't really have that perspective until you've been through it. Um, and so I'm conscious of the fact of trying not to comment and say any advice to people that are uh, being influenced or because I've never been through it like they have. So um, I think I'm just trying to be conscious of not overstepping the boundaries for those that are impacted, if that sort of makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. Pretty healthy perspective or a respectful one, mm. at least. I do think you are one of the people who can just truly understand what I go through as a host to kind of take it in another direction, like researching for episodes and editing. So what about the podcast? Were there any special challenges that you encountered during that period with the podcast? Um, I want to say it was pretty much business as usual. Being an online platform, um, it's not heavily impacted. I think the thing that we did um, more so this year is we tried to put a lot more production value into it. It's like it, we always seem to get to the start of a new season. Okay, this was really good last year. What's the next level that we can take it to? Always trying to compound the little improvements that we make year upon year. 
Um, and, and that can just be in little minor things. It's not like that we're making any specific drastic changes. Um, I think the one thing that we did this year that has been really, really helpful was as the week kind of went through, the three of us would kind of be like, oh, this is a topic we want to talk about and just kind of plant the seeds in the back of our minds of uh, little cul-de-sacs that we wanted to go down to. Um, I think one of the most underrated things for a podcast where you have to give really specific advice is not yourself looking into that and just hitting record, and which is you know fantastic if you're just having a general chat. But if you're trying to give really specific advanced advice to people playing a game, they don't want you to be winging it on the spot, if that makes sense. So <laughs> right. we, we, we were very conscious this year of just making sure we kind of had you know, spread the sheet of paper out on the table and just kind of got a flow chart going in, in our minds uh, metaphorically to kind of know where we were going to take the conversation and what our thoughts were generalized around those sort of topics so that when we got to them, it wasn't us in the moment discovering what our thoughts meant, if that sort of makes sense. So when you hit record and you haven't really thought about what you're going to talk about, you don't know where it's going to end up. And you get to the end of the podcast, you're like, oh, I should have said this or I should have said that. Whereas it gave, the preparation gave us a lot more um, ability to cover the topics in depth without getting tripped up over our own feet and forgetting things that were really important that we should have talked about. That sounds good because I was curious about how this season was different for you overall too. So that's the prep aspect of it Mm. and kind of the recording aspect of it. And I guess you kind of gave us a little bit about how you planned your pods differently. Do you think that it took all that culmination, I guess, of learning to get to where you are now? You know, where you're kind of headed for the next season for the pod? Do you have some things in place for that? You don't have to tell us about like the projects or anything, but I was wondering if you feel like there's a whole lot of learning that you gained from this season. Look, it's oh, it's a great question. You're going to love this one, Rosanna. Uh, every year we get to the end of the season and we have a whole notebook's worth of ideas that we want to do. And then we get to the start of the following season and there's like two pages worth of stuff that we've narrowed it down to of things that we want to do. And then it just becomes about the total hours that you could spend, like if I could, you know, cut my hours back at work and, and spend a day or two days doing Supercoach, I have all these ideas and hopes and dreams of ways that I wanted to expand this and make it better. Um, but the thing that probably the realization that I've had is that we have to be really selective about picking and choosing the things that we actually input our limited resources of time into um, because we can't do it all. And I just remember... The, probably the last two or three years, particularly when we started Slack and trying to, you know, expand and make everyone um, enjoy this space, is we're probably taking on too much and burning out too early in the season. Um, so I think going into 2022, it's just more about regulating how much time we dedicate to certain things to keep the product improving without burning ourselves out and, you know, sort of falling apart, if that makes sense. I think that's actually really good advice for us all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, applied with a podcast or personally, like professionally, you know, wherever you need to like apply liberally as needed. Mm. I feel the same way about a lot of those things that you said. There were kind of some sensitive (laughs) points where I definitely know just being an army of one or like a team of one, what it's like to kind of have all these ideas and these things that I want to implement. And then there's just that time factor of how much time I can allocate to certain projects. And we obviously have like our careers outside of of podcasting. So it's just so difficult to kind of put those things together. And sometimes when you do put it all together, there's just 
pieces that overlap and there just isn't the time. So hopefully going towards next season, I can kind of change those things. But yeah. I think that's really good advice for all of us. Um, me, especially, I'm actually feeling like, you know, you were looking directly at me when you said that. <laughs> I was, I was um, making really hard eye contact. So I, I, I'm glad you picked up on that. I'm feeling it. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, in kind of brighter news, I guess, and in a different direction, what did you think of Essendon season and where we're at now? How are oh, you feeling about all of that? I was blown away. I went into the season thinking, you know, we're going to be playing our three top 10 picks. We're going to be bottom four. This is okay. This is what we expect. This is the bottom. Uh, and then we're going to be building on it in future years. Um, I am absolutely blown away in the fact that, particularly in the second half of the year, just how strong and how competitive our game plan is. I think, not to say that Wusher was a bad coach, but I think it's evident now that he was using our senior players in roles that didn't benefit the side. And I can't explain that why, whether that was just personal or we needed good draft picks or, you know, whatever the story was. Um, I think this year was the admission by our coaching panel that we need to play players like Parrish in the midfield. You know, he, um, right. he for the last, I, I want to say the last two or three years, he's been in the top five clearance players for the amount of like um, stoppages that he goes to, to the percentage of clearances that he wins. He was really high. And so we've said for a long period of time, he needs to be playing midfield. You know, there's comments on the fact that uh, maybe his kicking's not great, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're getting a clearance from the coalface and you're just trying to shovel it out to win possession of the ball, it doesn't matter how good your kicking is. It matters how good the kicking is on those that you're handing the ball to. So players like Shield, et cetera, when they're getting the midfield time and they're trying to deliver forward, uh, that's where the, the issue comes. We should have our absolute clearance players in the center. And so this year was just almost like an admission that we've been holding a lot of these players back. And I think that that is something that a lot of the Essendon supporter base sort of knew but didn't really know to what extent we were holding them back. So the mix that we had in the midfield um, this year, I think, was really, really good. And in previous years where we're always like, oh, we need a new big body midfielder uh, like Josh Dunkley, for example – I don't think we need to be chasing that anymore. I think we've got a decent mix in the mids now. We need to be filling up sort of either end, uh, particularly forward line. I think our back line's got some decent tools that we'll be developing. If we can get a you know a really top class uh, full forward or half forward to combine with like Wright and Jones, I think that we're two to three years ahead of where I thought we were. And to make finals this year, like did, did you go into this year expecting we we're going to make finals? Because I certainly didn't. No, I mean, I certainly hoped that we would. I think it's such a stark turnaround, really. Yeah. I think from how we ended last season and the feelings around this time of year, because it was probably a polar opposite. So what a difference a year makes. Mm. I definitely think that we were holding our players back for whatever reason, the extent we weren't aware of. The coaching handoff, too. I think it was really hard to have clarity with what the coaching style even was yeah. going to be and what we were going to implement there. So I think that it's great to have the clarity now. I think the team is so communicative with each other and with us. But yeah, I definitely felt we were, if you can fall off the floor, if that's even like a thing, yep. I felt like it was pulled out from under us and we were kind of dragging ourselves into the new season. And I was just afraid that there would be some casualties there and some kind of, I don't want to say collateral damage, but you know <laughs> what I mean? I was really concerned about our standings. And I know that everyone said we were a bottom four, if not bottom two team. I didn't think we were going to end that low on the totem pole, but I, I, I mean, I didn't expect 
expect as far as we got. And I'm very, very excited and hopeful about, you know, what the next couple of seasons will bring. And you're right. We're so far ahead of where I thought, not only where we would end up, but just where I thought in the direction that we were headed, like we're higher up climbing Mm. a ladder or mountain than I thought, you know, we're further along the path than I expected us to be. So that's really exciting. I was going to say, I think think we developed, we've got that boost. So we're ahead in the development sort of thing. So um, the the game plan is working. We've got the personnel in the right sort of age bracket. They're all still pretty young. Zach is still young. Paz is still young, these kind of guys. But then we've got the young brigade that are just in their first year or second year, like Harry Jones and, and Perkinator, that when they're you know genuine match-winning players, it's going to be three or four years' time. It should perfectly match up when our other you know senior players are really, really in their prime. Um, and I just think across the field, if we can fill in a few little gaps down back, a few little gaps up forward, we're going to be a really, really good side. I can't, you know, I can't get ahead of myself and say that it's going to be a premiership contending side, but this is probably the most hopeful I have been in 15 years. A long while. Yeah, a long, long time, you know. So uh, I came out of this year and was just supremely confident on our team going forward and everything that's coming out of the camp is fantastic and absolutely, you know, going in with picks 11 and then two third round picks, I don't necessarily think we need to be doing more trades to try and fill those gaps. I think if we use pick 11 on a really good young player that fills a need for the club, we're going to be in a really, really good spot come two years' time. I'm really, really excited about everything that's, you know, ahead of us. And I think what we're chasing too, because I really think that... Ooh, I'm so like excited! <laughs> I know, I know. I'm trying to hold myself back when you were talking. I'm like, should I mute my mic? Because I don't want to start um, screaming with excitement. But what do you think about the Jake Kelly news that just happened? Fantastic. Um, I think I saw a stat uh, on Twitter. Champion Data has him as the second best one-on-one defensive player in the last three or four years. And that's something that we're we're missing. First of all, we find it really, really difficult to stop transition uh, from our forward line into their forward line. So the, the rebound when we can't trap it in our forward 50, um, right. which means that there's going to be a lot of quick entries. And so if we've got someone that is a genuinely fantastic one-on-one player like Jake Kelly is, um, there's comments on his disposal efficiency. We can just treat him like a ruckman, right? We can just tell him don't kick it, <laughs> or if you do, kick it long. Um, that's not a that's not a problem. We've got twenty two other blokes or twenty one other blokes on the field that can deal with that kind of disposal efficiency sort of thing. If we've got a genuinely awesome one on one player that can take one of their big key forwards. That's going to be huge for us. Whereas right now, I feel like we've got Ridley and Redman are going to be pretty good. Um, and then some of our backmen are forwards that have just, you know, for the first time playing back in their career. So, yes, they've been um, really good for what they are, but in comparison to the rest of the competition, they're not great. Um, so I, I feel like if we can get genuinely good defenders that have spent their career down there, know their craft, really, really good in specific areas. That's something that I hope is going to bring down the scores against next year because we all know our scoring power this season. I think we're in the top three or four for um, for scoring efficiency or something like that. I forget what stat it is. We can kick goals. We just can't stop them. And I think that's the main. All, all premiership teams are built on defense. Just look at Melbourne. 
Right. He's a lockdown defender. I think that's mm. absolutely what we need. And from what I've seen, because I've seen some you know, snippets, not a particularly glamorous player, but I don't care about that. He's I think a defender. that's good for our team. Right. Yeah, exactly. An individual ego. I've seen that he's like a hard trainer and he's great with culture, which will be a wonderful addition and welcome. I guess I was just wondering where we would deploy him on the field. You know, are we going to play him as a small forward? Just where they're going to put him, you know, Dodoro with his chess moves and like truck with his role swapping. So, mm. but I agree with you. I think if we just keep him in the back, I think that's really like a missing component to take us further. If anything, it frees up someone like uh, a Ridley or a Redmond to be more damaging. We saw in the back half of the year, Ridley, his strengths in being that rebound intercepting player were mitigated because he was playing lockdown on some of these big forwards that we don't necessarily have a really good, strong defender like a Jake Kelly would be to enable him to be freed up in the back line. I think once we have that and free our creative, good by foot, Ridley type players, I think that that's going to be huge. I think that's the, the, the people are talking about Jake Kelly as a like for like um, in some of our other lockdown defenders, say uh, Jimmy Stewart, for example. But I, I kind of see it as okay, why we plug in this piece. What does it do to the surrounding pieces? Oh, it frees up Ridley. That's awesome. That's what I wanted. Absolutely. Oh, now I'm thinking of like mouth-watering mashup again, you know, like a mashup <laughs> one-on-one. On one <laughs> um, Who's got the so bell? I can I, hear it ringing. <laughs> <laughs> I am just curious who your favorite player of the moment is on the team. I think I know, but I'm curious. Let me say that, look, this this is a fantastic question, Rosanna. Everyone that, list, that is listening. Uh, have you ever fallen in love at first sight? Have you ever experienced <laughs> that moment when your eyes lock from a distance and you just know that you're meant to be? I had that with Darcy Parrish when he was drafted. I, I, rem- I remember watching and thinking, you know what? This is our franchise player. He's the guy that's going to turn this whole place around. Um, look, I'm not going to say that we have such a strongly built connection that he knows who I am. Um, it, it's not like <laughs> it's not like that. I uh, had pulled some strings and and had a, a, a meeting organised in 2017 after the country game between Essendon and Geelong, and then he stood me up and then uh, never saw it again. Uh, I'm not going to go as far to say that that actually happened, even if it did. But I have an overwhelming love for Darcy Parrish and I liken him sort of to Ben Cousins in his prime and I think the six years or five years where he's been held back and I've been you know champing at the bit saying he's going to be our franchise he's going to be the one he just wait guys when we finally get him in the midfield and I remember copying some heat on Twitter and you know that was justified at the time but he's here now (laughs) he's my boy and if anyone tries to claim his boy he's my boy (laughs) Well, I will just say on your behalf that, you know, he probably hasn't seen you across the room yet. So if and when that does happen, (laughs) you may feel the same way. I knew it was Parrish. Um, It's funny because you have always been his tireless advocate and like player agent unofficially. Mm. Um, I think it's so funny when you said, have you fallen in love with, because I was like a player with a player with an Essendon player. I mean, there's so many, I couldn't narrow it down to just one. I mean, I think I felt that way about Draper, although he looked very different <laughs> when he joined the club. It looks nothing like he does now, mm. um, but he has all the personality and stuff now. But I did feel that way about Perkins. It was funny. I think 
Andrew said something at one point about how he had read somewhere that someone had said Archie Perkins like doesn't smile or something. <laughs> and I was really taken aback by that because I'm like, I've seen it so much and he's always smiling. So I went as far as to make a pick stitch of all these photos I had found. And then I was sharing it with him and I was like, I've lost my mind. <laughs> I've absolutely lost my mind that I am proving to him who he doesn't even necessarily believe. Just I was like, I've literally lost my mind. Look, I'm not going to say that it's creepy um, or anything like that, but uh, oh just, no, you can say kind it. of like tiptoeing <laughs> on that little uh, that tight wire there uh, to just kind of uh, just keep you cool, keep you balanced before you fall off into the netting of full obscure craziness. <laughs> I feel like if I ever try to attend like an open training or something, they'll have someone there (laughs) with like restraining orders or something. But yeah, I do love Harry Jones. I love Hind. I love that McMarish midfield. You know, I can't pick just one player, but I do think now that we've talked about Essen tonight, I do have to get to super coach because Mm. I have so many questions about you know, what made you start to play super coach? I'm really curious on the how and when. The how and when, it's a great question. Uh, I originally started playing a different fantasy format and it was fun. It was great. Um, I think in 2012, I stumbled across Supercoach because, um, well, I think I'd only just discovered it. And, you know, we're in our final year of uni, so we had so much free time. So uh, it wasn't spent towards studying in any way. <laughs> um, and so I thought, oh, you know, I'll, I'll play Supercoach as well. And I just fell in love with the concept of trying to quantify, like, the quality of disposal and impact. And um, it, it, it had that extra layer of depth and complexity and almost like a factor that is you cannot define it. It's sort of like trying to mix the physics of the large and the physics of the small. It was just really, really difficult to find a way where they both interconnect. And so I just felt like I know this player's good. I know he's going to score this many points from this many possessions. But then adding that extra layer on top that was like the quality factor, that just blew me away. And so um, I see it as the more the premier version of fantasy football in terms of AFL, and that's just a personal choice. I'm not saying that one's better than the other, you know, objectively, but for me, having the ability to not only figure out, you know, what points are going to be generated just by pure possession-based but actually trying to find players that are going to have their quality improve. So when we're talking about breakout players, we're actually looking for someone that's going to go to the extra level um, in terms of um, their disposal efficiency and they're going to get really specific stats are going to improve like ground ball gets and contested possession and things like that that wouldn't matter in any other format. I just absolutely love that because it gives that extra layer and I just it feels more rewarding when you find almost like a piece to the puzzle that no one else has. I, I don't know if that's really translating at all. Oh, no, I, I feel it. What you said about just that X factor and how dimensional it is, I think that clicked for me this season because, so I attempted last season. I didn't quite make it all the way through the season, like towards the end I was moving. And so I was determined to play through the season this time around. And I remembered the point that it clicked. And I think I might've actually told you, I was like, I I get it now. You Mm. know, I get why this is so fascinating. I don't know why everyone is not playing this. I don't know Because it's so fun, you know? And so I'm, 
obviously going to continue to learn and to build on all of that and just learn more and more and more. But it really is such a fun aspect of the game. And I think it adds more fun. Like you said, it filled this void I didn't know was there. Yeah. Even honestly for myself. Um, and it, there's so much strategy. I've always been like a board game player or a strategy game player. So this is just one of those things that has all the best elements put together. Mm. And I do think it is kind of like you said, the premier form. I have played fantasy football like American. Yeah. Just one time. You know, I did it with my coworkers and it was hilarious and it was really fun. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, but I made it to the finals and everyone was <laughs> shocked, um, <laughs> including myself. But you know, this is so much more nuanced than that. So much more it, it's hard to describe it to anyone else because on you know this side, I don't have like a ton of friends or anything like even in the New York area that play. So when I'm trying to tell them, I know their eyes are like glazing over a little bit. But to me, it's like really, really exciting, you know. So how did you, I guess, then transition all of that into the podcasting realm with Dr. Supercoach, if you don't mind sharing? I'm really curious about like the origin story. Uh, the origin story is a complex one that has um, different takes depending on who you ask. I can only speak from my opinion, which I'm told is incorrect, but I'll give it to you anyway. Um, at the start of 2016, I want to say, or 2015, I joined the Dr. Supercoach page. Uh, back at that point, they were just looking for admins that would help post scores, um, in you know, like the, the quarterly scores on the Facebook page, which is what people primarily uh, followed us for. And I was very much like, I'm not doing that. That's not what I'm here for. Supercoach needs a quality podcast that's not based on just comedy it has to be around actually helping people improve that's what i joined the page for um, and i think i wrote like a 2000 word document of like how to navigate the buys in like 2016 or whatever it was that that was like my first entry um and i didn't really contribute much for probably the first six months that i was there but i was very much like we need to start a podcast and audio engineering is my background i think i'd be uh, influential in this space if we started up. It, it, independent of me, whether I sowed the seeds or not, um, we decided to come up with a podcast. And I heard the first one was like, okay, these are the improvements that I think we need to make. And I think at that point, I was invited to do um, like the round one wash up instead, like after all the preseason material had been recorded. And from that point on, I think that episode was um, really successful to the point that I was just invited back more and more and just slowly became ingrained as part of like the audio team. Um, but it, it's not like I was invited to start this thing. That was the primary reason I went there. And just when it finally did pop up, I put my hand up and was like, hey, I think I have some skills that would be some benefit. Would you mind if I took a look at this? Um, and I think that just we have a really, really good mix between JB and Pistol and I to the point that we all bring something different to the table and a different unique point of view regarding Supercoach that we just tend to, whatever combo we have, just bounce off each other really well. And each season subsequently, it's just gone from strength to strength. Oh, for sure. I think between the three of you, you cover all the bases. And I definitely think it sounds about right. I mean, the rest, I guess, is just history happily ever after, however you want to look at it, because I do love the trio. Can we just celebrate for a moment your rank sure. for 2021? I Woo. mean, so you've been, 
Woo! I think, um, you know, you've been interviewing a lot of the top 10 peeps, but for anyone who doesn't know, Chizo actually ranked number eight overall. That massive props. I feel like accolades and applause are like due. <laughs> you know, you get that personalized tracksuit. Um, I mean, that's so exciting. I really think that you know, you haven't really talked about it that much. I don't even know if you've changed anything on your socials, but I think it's kind of a big deal. I mean, how do you feel about all of that? I feel vindicated. I feel like uh, I've spent so long giving out advice and people are like, oh, well, you're ranked this. Um, And I've never had a year where everything has clicked. I think um, previously I put too much weight on, like I'd have the idea about, a player and then I would go and listen to another podcast or um, take in someone else's point of view. Say it was Houston with JV, for example, I would be like, okay, he knows Port Adelaide better than me. Uh, I'll just trust him. Um, and that, that's not a specific ex- it's an example of something I would have done. It's not something I actually did. And I end up getting into a situation where I've got players in my side that I personally don't think I want to have there. And um I feel I, I I lose a little bit of enjoyment, in fact, because if I just played the game the way that I wanted to, my I feel like my intuition was going to hold me in a better stead. And it turns out that this year was probably the first year that I specifically just said I'm going to trust just my own inherent intuition. These are my thoughts. I'm not going to be swayed by other people and get players that I personally feel are going to be bad picks. Um, I think that's helped me and. Look, we all like constructive criticism. Um, and from our rivalry league last year or the year before, I think it was, we had someone that um, was just stepping away from it and they give like a, a bit of feedback on Patreon about, you know, what the, their thoughts were. Uh, and one of the things that seemed um, in the forefront of their mind is that JB and Pistol stick to their guns and I'm sort of a fence sitter that kind of side with whoever's got the strongest argument uh, as opposed to, I don't know why they were going so hard for me, but they were in their their feedback. Um, <laughs> and I just kind of, sort, kind of took that on board and was like, okay, this year I'm going to be a little bit more uh, back in my gut. I'm just going to stick to my opinion. This is my thoughts. This is why I've come to this opinion and I'm going to you know back myself in. And there's very, very few times this year where that has worked out poorly for me and I feel like I've got a good bearing on pretty much everyone across the competition now in terms of Supercoach. So if someone comes out and has a breakout year next year, I'm going to be like, yep, okay, I expected that. Maybe a year earlier than I expected, but this is not unwarranted. Um, whereas previously, I was just trusting other opinions and listening to other people's advice and then not really following my own. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from this year that, you know, again, another life lesson. I should just be backing myself more and being trusting in myself as opposed to looking for outside validation and guidance. Yeah, I mean, you're every bit the expert (laughs) when it comes to this. I was wondering too, when you were talking about where you kind of like set your boundaries and kind of took your stance, because as someone who is giving advice to the masses, Mm. you know, I was curious about, how much you attributed your success with playing circumstances, you know, with your players and team or just your experience playing for years or, you know, a bit of luck, like maybe a splash of luck and individual brilliance. You just never know like what that, I guess, kind of the balance is between all of those things. And I mean, and I don't know if you have a response for that either. Uh, Yeah, obviously. Obviously, it's individual brilliance, like uh, no luck play. Like <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> uh, Obviously. You, you, can't, you can't play a game like this without any element of luck. I think it would, anyone that, um, 
attributes everything to their own doing. Um, I, I think uh, my personal vo- uh, point of view is, um, oh, geez, I always forget it. It's like preparation meets opportunity is when you get success. Uh, I forget what the actual quote is. And That's literally one of my favorite quotes, yeah. but yes. <laughs> um, and, and I think it's one of those things that we have a lot of people that play this um, kind of part-time and they just kind of do what other people tell them to do and their preparation when the opportunity arises um, just isn't there. And I take the buys this year where I had my buys planned out so well that it enabled me to use our bonus trades that we got to just freely swap premiums and and get an extra premium score on during the bye week. So um, I I see that as my preparation meeting opportunity leading to, uh, I think, the stats where I was the second best scoring team from the buys to the end of the year. And that doesn't happen or it shouldn't happen consistently if you don't prepare. So um, uh, that's just something that I think is takes away. Yes, there's an element of luck, but you're not going to be able to take advantage of that luck unless you've prepared to be in that position anyway. So there, there seems to be a lot of um, arguments from people that are like, oh, I didn't plan and I did really well. And I'm like, yeah, imagine if you did plan though. You know, like they, they see it as I've done really well without planning. Why would I start planning now? And that just seems crazy to me. I don't know why. That just made me think, imagine if the doggies were like able to train, <laughs> like because they kind of how damaging they were without being able to train this. They're uh, pent up. Weekend, they just had this pent up energy, this, this <laughs> internal <just> unleashed. anger. <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you dropped like one of my favorite quotes about how I should find it, but it, it's literally something that I've lived by for years and years and years. So I think it's funny that you said that. And it's something along the lines of if you have the opportunity um, and the preparation together collectively, you know, you can be lucky because if you are prepared, but you don't have the opportunity or the opportunity arises and you're not prepared then, you know, you can't make that bit of magic kind of happen. That's right. So yeah, I mean, you do so much for the Dr. Supercoach podcast. I actually always wondered when you have time to sleep during the season, to be honest. And What's that? I mean, I'm sure the off season, <laughs> right? Um, tell me when you know <laughs> what that is. <laughs> Once I figure it out, I'll, I'll forward it on. <laughs> Pass it along, please. I need the memo. <laughs> I'm sure the off season you know, isn't much of a break for you, but do you get a breather now that we're, you know, a couple of weeks until the grand final while you're enjoying those cupcakes and whatnot? Um, in terms of break, I get a break from the excessive podcasting because it, it is honestly like a, a part-time job. I'm probably committing maybe 15 to 20 hours a week on just back end and the things that you don't hear on the podcast is on top of editing and all that kind of stuff. So I uh, thought it was way more than that. I'm surprised it's a little. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things that when you average it out over seven days, uh, you've got two hours a day where you're doing stuff for Dr. Supercoach that doesn't go into the final product. Um, you know, just back end stuff like people have got uh, an issue with their Patreon account or, you know, this and that and they want to do it. it just because, you know, um, post it like I'm the primary person that does like all the posting and stuff as well and doing the like the, the financials and the business side of things and stuff on top of that. So um, it does genuinely become a, a part time job in, in that sort of respect. So um, in terms of a break, we get the break in terms of there's Monday we've got to record and it's got to be edited by this time and it's got to be uploaded and then the next morning you've got to update the link tree and all this kind of stuff. Um, there's less pressure, time pressure, I guess I would say, um, but over the next three months it's very much 
everything is, you know, the, the engine is still sitting um, churning in the background with plans that we want to implement come, you know, pre-season opening in January that we want to hit the ground running. So it's certainly, it's certainly not like we get a break per se, but we definitely do get a break from um, recording and editing podcasts and stuff like that. So uh, it just it just frees up to be a little bit more flexible on what days I contribute to Dr. Supercoach, whereas that, uh, it makes it hard to do things like kind of family-wise when you're spending two to three days per week completely blocked off doing Supercoach. Right. There's like so many logistics. I feel like, you know, hopefully you'll get to enjoy the grand final itself, but the gears are always turning, mm, aren't they? Yeah. I feel like they're always like, they never stop. And they never stop. <laughs> so, what did you say? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. They never stop. So, it, it, we've always got something cooking in the background that we want to implement. Things that we didn't do this year because we, we, you know, we're just so time poor that um, we plan on having next year and stuff like that. So, you know, even just kind of, uh, working with sponsors and stuff that that might want to become uh, with the podcast, and then you know seeing what that looks like, um, what we can offer, what they can offer. You know, at the moment we're kind of working towards applying for uh, putting our name forward for like the Australian Podcast Awards, and and that has its own sort of. Um, That's so exciting! Uh, oh, come on, you, you nominate yourself. It's not that exciting, um, <laughs> it, it, but you know, there's I'll a, nominate you guys also. <laughs> there's work that you've got to put in between that. There's like. Uh, prove why you're relevant and here's an audio clip that's been stitched together from 40 different episodes that proves that we're entertaining and people enjoy it and we're doing positive things for the community. You know, there's always something going on. It never just goes, okay, that's the end of the Supercoach season. We'll see you in January. Um, And I think there's a misconception like in the off season when Patreon is free, we're sitting there not doing anything. We're using that time to get ahead of the the Triple Ds in, in February, for example, that just soak up a whole month of our time. I'm actually really glad that you said all of that because I do think that, you know, there's so much, I always kind of equate it with restauranting, like there's a front of house and kind of what you see, but there's so much happening in the back of the house that nobody sees. The chef cooking it up. (laughs) And I always equate it to the kitchen. So when you were saying cooking, because I'm always like cooking things up at my kitchen too, there's stuff on the back burner that I've got ideas wise, there's stuff in the oven that kind of has to sit for a while, you know, Mm. and and then you got JB. He walks in. He's just like Gordon Ramsay. He's like, "Oh, put this thing in here." Yeah, that, that, so every JB's like the like, he's the Gordon Ramsay of our ideas. I just kind of like vomit ideas that we could do. And then, and then JB, JB's just like, "Nah, hate it. Terrible. Get out of my kitchen." <laughs> These are Chiso's personal opinions. I just want to throw that out there. But the combination of the three of you as spices really kind of, Ooh. you know really spice up the dishes and that you present. I think there, it's a really great, there's something there with what you serve up that, you know, can be like a dessert or whatever. Um, but yeah, I really do feel that way. I got a question for you. That's sure. (laughs) If you had to uh, apply a spice to the three of us on the podcast, who would be what and why? (laughs) Um, Right. I don't want to offend anyone. All right. Okay. So JB's chili because um, he's got say- that bit, bit, a little bit spicy. <laughs> yeah, he's chili flakes for sure. All right. I, I, I think, um, I think, uh, yeah, chili flakes is perfect. I think. Um, <laughs> what are we going to say? Pistol is paprika because paprika. There you go. That's really we're funny. On, we're on the same page. We're on the same page because <laughs> we're on the same recipe. There, there isn't. There, at no point can you have too much pistol on any podcast. <laughs> Um, and oh, what would I be? 
Um, I think I'd have to be you salt be... just because I'm the, I've got the least <laughs> amount of followers on Twitter, yet I finished the highest. <laughs> but Himalayan salt. You know, like some yeah, luxury, like Florida salt. Yes. You're not like some throwaway, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's really funny. I'm just picturing all the collection of like salt shakers now or just like um, salt and pepper shakers. That's really funny because I do think of you guys as putting your own little like, you know, pinches of whatever onto the pod. So that's just how I've always pictured you guys. I don't know if you're, and you know, sometimes there can be too many cooks in the kitchen, but you're all in the kitchen together (laughs) preparing. We're just not throwing knives at each other just yet. That happens behind the scenes. That's good. That's good. Given that one of the names is Pistol, (laughs) I'm always a little like, oh no, but that's really funny. Well, I guess since we did talk about the grand final a little bit, you know, let's call it. Who is winning, Chizo, and who's walking away with the flag? Uh, Melbourne's going to walk away with it. I think that their defense is just going to be that little bit too strong for the doggies uh, with the rest of the field just kind of cancelling each other out. That's that. That's my view. I think Melbourne in a grand final setting will hold up better than the doggies. I think that's what my head and heart is saying too. And, you know, I really do think – they have the technical aspects of it, but then when it comes to like my heart, I just really want them to do it for Neil. There's yeah. some cruel aspects of nature, I think, for this particular season where no one in Melbourne can be a part of it just because they're not able to, after waiting for so, so long, you know, they're just not able to enjoy. I guess the revelry and all of that. So my heart kind of just like hurts for them. But yeah, that's what I would say too. Um, So that's really interesting. I think it's going to be a really interesting contest though. And I'm really excited about, you know, what each side is going to bring and how it's going to play out. Because I do think it's going to be a contest. It's going to be a good game. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm curious, maybe it's the American in me with the way that we do super coach rings Mm -hmm. or excuse me, super bowl rings (laughs) is what I was picturing you guys. But do you think that every player on the winning team of a grand final should get a medal or any player who makes a meaningful contribution to the game, like maybe a five game minimum, you know, where do you draw the line or do you keep it as it stands? Uh, I think from my personal point of view, it's got to be everyone that plays on the day or everyone in the club. You can't set an arbitrary line where someone plays four games and does their ACL and then, you know, may have been like a really important player in the side up until that point and then they don't get a ring sort of thing, you know what I mean, or don't get a medal. So I think it's a, you've got to make a choice whether everyone gets it or no one gets it. And I know that the the medals are specifically for players but then my point of view is if we're extending it to everyone on the roster why not everyone in the club because everyone contributes and that's the argument the argument is there's 44 players on the list all of these guys have helped contribute to this winning side so they should get one but then everyone else in the club has also been part of that engine and that drive that has taken the club to that point and so it becomes a where does it stop sort of situation. Does the coaching panel get it, but not the admin staff? Um, I, I sort of still see it as the guys that helped you get there, um, You know, the club can do something to say thank you. But the team that actually physically goes out there on the day and puts in the performance on that one specific day to win that one cup are the people that deserve the medal for doing that. 
You know, you, there are other ways to satisfy the gratitude for people that have helped you get there. Um, it's sort of like the the Olympics where you've got the the relay teams where there's usually six um, squad members and a couple swing the heaps heats but don't swim in the gold medal match i kind of see it as like that like we're all one big team and we all are very grateful for each other but the team that goes out there and wins the gold medal or goes out there and gets the premiership are the ones that should get the medal in my opinion but um that's not to say it's the right one okay that's interesting it makes sense i think you're right once you start drawing lines i mean where does it end i agree that anyone who plays the game that day should get a medal yes like without question because they it was their physical efforts on the day of but i mean what about the emergency you know what about the medical sub if they're not activated does that person get a medal because they were named I guess for me, I do think like, let's say the doggies win, Yeah, you know, hypothetically in a couple of weeks and Josh Bruce doesn't get a medal. You know, he absolutely helped them get all the way there. Unfortunately, towards the end, you know, something happened or there's injuries. I think it's just, you know, and I'm thinking of like Nick Nat from a few years earlier, you know, I'm just thinking of where players will miss out on the day of just because let's say they get injured in a prelim or they get injured in the final series. So, but I understand meaningful in quotations, at least to me can cover like so many. And I do agree with you. I think there is a way to thank and appreciate an award in a different space or in a different way. But I do think that the medals, I think that they could be expanded a little bit. And I don't know what that definition is and to what degree. Like, it seems like something that I think might change in future. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's interesting because um, the science and the research that we've done on participation awards, um, you know, where everyone gets a participation medal, uh, it makes the awards for those that actually went out and did really well or actually won something, it makes it feel less worthy because everyone gets something. And so I don't know. Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I'm not that American yeah. that wants everyone to get that for effort. You know what I mean? Because I was a very competitive child and we didn't do that, you know, and I'm really glad mm. because I don't think that just because you show up the day of or whatever, yeah. you know, that I think, you I think that's get... sort of my point. I'm, I'm kind of um, just because someone played the first 10 rounds of the year, does that, how much impact does that have over the last three months and how does that impact the actual day of the grand final? What contribution did they actually make on the day where they had one chance to win that sort of thing? They may have helped them get there, um, but they didn't win the prize at the end that is deserving of a medal. And so um, I'm kind of making a corollary between participation awards for people that were there at some point to those that actually went out and did the thing that wins you the prize. So um, I, I, find it, I find it interesting that we're getting to a point where, let's be honest, this is driven by, you know, at the heartwarming or the heartbreaking situations where someone we think are deserving of a medal don't get one. Um, and I, I think the, the positivity that we feel from it is not always reciprocated by the person that receives it because they feel guilty because they didn't earn it. And I think that's that, that's the scientific background I'm trying to make the corollary with. So it feels great for us that someone that wasn't there gets a medal, uh, but I don't think it, it may have the same standing based on the research for the person that gets it. 
I would be really interested in what the players think themselves. Whether that's um, a corollary, I'm not sure. In response to that. <laughs> I, I'm, ju- I'm, ju- yeah, I'm just yeah. speaking from my scientific brain that, that, that really True. appreciates that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future and if they ever do make any you know adaptations or, or exceptions, mm. you know what I mean, to whatever the rule is. Um, I guess separately, I'm just curious, what's something on your life bucket list, <laughs> if you don't mind sharing? Oh, I'm one of those people that don't, I don't have... Not a bucket list. I'm not a bucket lister. I'm not someone that has these 10 things I want to achieve by this age that if I don't, I'm going to be disappointed. I don't I don't like living my life based on the completion or non-completion of things. I, I'm someone that gets fixated that finds something that I'm super interested in and then just pulls every little strand on it until... I'm satiated with my knowledge in this particular topic or uh, I want to learn all about this specific thing. And I'm like, okay, that was really, really fun. What's the next thing? I think um, I'm just going to be really, really boring and think that um, my 10-year plan is just sort of to be in a a place that if I got told right now that that's where I'm going to be in 10 years, I would just be over the moon. You know what I mean? Like a if someone turned up today and said, you know, this is where you're going to be in 10 years, all you've got to do is keep showing up, just imagine how happy you would be every single day when you showed up to do whatever it is you have to do. And that's sort of the situation I want to be in. I want to just keep progressing and building and becoming a better version of myself and having um, a more fulfilled life. That's good. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think, I think it's a really great living philosophy. I think I'm like a bit of both Mm. because I definitely want to always be learning, growing, exploring, discovering, like conquering. I don't have a list that needs to be checked off by certain points. I think I've always had a list of every city I've ever lived in of things I would like to do while I'm there. Mm. And I do have a list of experiences that I would like to have in my lifetime, but they're not like there's no expiration date. You know what I mean? So like I would love to get barreled by a wave. (laughs) Like I would love to experience that at some point, you know, I'm not a surfer, but it, it looks amazing. It would be an experience I'd love to have. Um, I guess for me, I would love to attend a grand final. I know it's really far reaching <laughs> and it's crazy very, yeah, it's really like idealistic, but I think that that would be something that I would like to experience, you know, in my lifetime. And it, it doesn't have to be like sooner or later. It's just one of those things where I think I like to have some things I'd like to, you know, experience. And it's not like a be all end all. Like mm. if I don't, get those opportunities, I won't feel like I haven't lived a, you know, fulfilled life or I I wouldn't be like regretting anything. Yeah. You know, they're just kind of like, you know. I I think that there's a a direct correlation with what I'm saying and what you're saying. I think um, that's not to say that I don't particularly have goals, um, but it sounds like that you have these things on the list that you would love to check off, but you're not going to let the, uh, if you do or do not get them checked off, impact your perception on the life that you've led and whether you've found yourself, or yourself. quote unquote successful yeah. or, you know, things like that. I think that's kind of the point I'm making. I definitely have goals, but I'm not leaving my um, interpretation of whether I've succeeded or not succeeded up to, how, you know, I've ticked seven, but not eight off and therefore I'm unhappy. I'm not, I'm not li- I don't leave the bucket list as a, if I don't complete all of these, I will consider myself uh, a failure. Like a, it, I think that's kind of the point I'm making. And it sounds like that you're sort of along the same lines. Yeah, true. And it's funny that you said I've ticked seven, but not eight off. You can technically tick eight off <laughs> because you've already <laughs> hit that rank. <laughs> but I mean, I guess, are you a fandom of like anything other than footy? Like, 
other sports or, you know, some people really love Harry Potter. Some people love the Marvel universe. Like, are there other things that you're a fan of outside of super coach and footy? Can you get out of my brain? Is that all right? Uh, so you've, t- you've oh no, what are you thinking? You've t- I'm scared. You've, t- you've ticked it <laughs> off uh, about another five things that I'm interested in. Uh, football is probably not even in my top five in terms of things that I'm like genuinely passionate and interested in. It just happens to be something That's that has crazy. a game that I find more interesting. For example, I am a much more dedicated cricket fan and player and etc. I've I've played very very okay. limited AFL in my time particularly as a, a an adult but it just happens to be the one that has the game that is the most fun and the platform and the um the intricacies that make a podcast around it being so interesting and and multifaceted and you can have different opinions um but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's like my number one passion if that sort of makes sense there, there's so many more things that um probably top it in terms of this i probably can't tell you like it's in what specific order um but it's interesting that uh i can be this dedicated to super coach and the game surrounding it and being passionate about teaching people how to play it and how to get better and things like that where it's it may not actually be as and high on the list as other things it's, it's, <laughs> I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say it was even in my top five that is crazy to me. I'm just picturing you right now pulling all the threads apart on like a Sharon or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? All the fine threads until <laughs> you like get to the bottom of whatever. But yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. Um, I guess cricket <laughs> would yeah. be another fandom of something that beats it. What's something else that's ahead of footy that's so interesting to me? Oh. If you're comfortable sharing. <laughs> it's, uh, I think... Like if if we are talking in terms of um, bucket lists and like things that I want to do, um, I want to be a clinical like educator in terms of uh, my profession in the medical field. Like I I just get, I I think the podcast has stemmed from the fact that I just enjoy educating and helping and guiding. And that probably stems from the fact that I didn't get a whole lot of that when I was in, in my youth. And so I'm kind of drawn towards that um and so it, it's not just in to do with super coach it's to do with um my profession um and i just love you know i love finance i love helping my friends that um, are scared of these big adulty type topics that you know we're we're taught in uh, as adults we should have all this stuff down pat and know it inside out and we shouldn't ask questions or point out the fact that we don't understand these things um i just want to be the person that helps kind of break down barriers to things that people want to know but are too scared to ask. And when you're talking in terms of the medical field, that's so much of it is ego-based and, you know, uh, I'm so far ahead. If you don't know these answers, you should be ridiculed for it and um, you couldn't possibly do this because you're only this far into your uh, development and studies. You know, I'm very much of if we get an opportunity to – um, learn something specifically. How's it going to hurt if you just tag along and I'll just explain what I'm doing along the way? So um, my num- my number one passion is educating those that are passionate about learning, and that goes to all aspects of life. If there's something that I can contribute to someone to um, advance where they are compared to where I was at the same position, I, I'm super super passionate about that. And it just happens to manifest in the form of a fantasy football podcast. Well, I hope it manifests in other ways because I think that's really admirable. It actually 
what you said kind of reminds me of another quote I really like, and it's tell the story of the mountains you climbed. Your words could become a page in someone else's survival guide. I love so that. I really, yeah, I really like what you said. I think I've been through experiences before where I feel like there's two kinds of people. One where someone who's been through it maybe had a rough time and they kind of look behind them and they say to the person behind them, like, you know, it was really rough for me. So you're going to have to earn your spot here to get to where I am. Yeah. And then there's the other kind of person, which I think you and I are probably a little bit more alike where we turn around at the person behind us and we're like, okay, this is actually what I went through and I don't want you to have to experience that. So I'm going to help you (laughs) or I'm going to tell you like, you know, what my experience was. And then maybe that can help propel you forward or get to where I am because it's not like, you know, it's further or anything like that. It it maybe is a little bit further, but it's not like higher in any way. You know what I mean? So I really like that. Well, amazing. I mean, please tell everyone how they can find you on socials. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at at Chizo with a Z underscore D-R-S-C. I've practiced that a few times. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here, Chizo, and kind of letting us be a part of your world and seeing things through your not rose-colored glasses, but maybe your red shades. Um, (laughs) It's funny. I actually wore them to start the podcast. (laughs) But you had to take them off. I just had to to get into character, um, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, that's it for me. Thanks for hanging with Chizo. And if you know someone who might enjoy this pod, guys, I hope you'll share it with them. But stay safe and healthy, everyone. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with Footy. I'm virtually hugging all of you and Chizo too. And we'll talk Footy soon. And thanks, Chizo. 